Thanks so much, team. What a, what a great thing to, to gather and just to experience and proclaim that our God, above anything else, is good and desires good things for you. What good news that is. So there's no better mirror to your true character than hanging out with kids or having kids, right? No more honest mirror than that. Lindsay and my son Hudson, pictured here behind us, uh, is at the age where he's beginning to filter back to us an unfiltered toddler version of who we are, um, which apparently looks a lot like Chewbacca. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite so confessional that I'm going to tell you everything that Hudson is reflecting back to us, but, uh, but for instance, my wife is a, a math person through and through, and so this past week, she was cleaning up the house, and she invited Hudson to participate, and she said, hey, let's go find out what shape your room is in. And he said, Mommy, it's just a square. <laughs> so she's reflecting back that mathness of my wife. Um, and uh, in this past week, for me, I said to Hudson, hey, you know, um, you know, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to go for a bike ride. And I said, oh, we, we can't do that right now. And he goes, I don't know, Daddy. Bike rides are pretty awesome. <laughs> and I thought, you are speaking my language. How can I possibly say no to you? Of course, it's not always the like, pretty awesome parts of us that are reflected in, our ki- in kids or reflected back to us in the relationships around us. And so I'm having this like, constant wake-up call to who I am and my true self constantly in my life because it's being passed on and reflected back to me through the life around us. And so I, I feel this pressure all of a sudden to suddenly be amazing um, to be, you know, something in the ballpark of a combination of the down-to-earth integrity of Sheriff Andy Taylor, um, the moral courage of Martin Luther King Jr., the mechanical acumen of MacGyver, um, the suave and all-seasonsness of Beyonce, and just kind of generally like Jesus all the time in my life. I love that Jesus and Martin Luther King are making the same expression. That's the way it should be in this moment. Um, I'm kind of joking in this. I try to keep the expectations in my own life, you know, um, reasonable in that. Um, but I do want this kid to grow up into something good. And so even if you don't have kids, we look up to people like MLK or Beyonce or Sheriff Andy because they always seem to know just what to do, um, how to respond, and the right thing to do in every circumstance and situation and season of life. They're comfortable in their own skin and living out the purpose of who they were built to be. And we're hungry for that in our own lives, aren't we? We're hungry for that, to know who we were built to be and how to live it out and how to make a difference in this world for others. To know how to be in every season and how to live a life that matters. So there's a word for that, for this thing that we're looking for out of life. It's a word that's woven through the story of Scripture, and it's the word wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom, it's, it's the ability or the knowledge or the insight and skills to live well, to live the beautiful life. And the Bible has a few books in it that are called wisdom literature that kind of help teach us some of the skills that, that we should know about life, uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and also the book of James that we've been journeying through this summer is considered a book of wisdom literature. And James says to us that this wisdom literature, when we look at this literature, it can be a great mirror for us. And the question for us then is, is when we see that reflection reflected back to us in the mirror, do we act on what we see? Do we live it out? And so James asks this in in chapter 1, verse 23. He says, 
If there are any hearers of the word and, and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. We look in the mirror, but we you know, pass it by. But when we look in the mirror and we begin to put into action what we see there, that's beginning to put wisdom into action. And so luckily for me, I have a toddler with me all the time, and so I'm not able to forget what I look like in the mirror. It's always reflected back to me. But when we think about that word wisdom, right, immediately our mind goes to like some guru sitting cross-legged on a mountain, spitting aphorisms. Um, and we know it's about more than just words or sayings and pithy sayings of wisdom. We also know that it's more than book knowledge because, you know, I have friends who I would trust to build a rocket to the moon, but I would not trust to be able to feed themselves if I left them alone. Um, my wife feels that way kind of about me, except for the trusting me to build a rocket to the moon part. But the wisdom that the Bible offers us is eminently practical. It's the wisdom of that long road trip conversation with a close friend or a mentor. It's the wisdom of the back porch. It's it's about knowing the real world, about understanding folks, about understanding the dynamics of relationships and treating people well and doing the right thing even when it's hard. It's the kinds of things that we want to pass on, that we want to reflect in the world. It's, it's so practical, in fact, that the Hebrew word for wisdom that we see throughout Scripture is chokhmah. All right, you want to try to say that with me? Ready? Chokhmah. Oh, you guys are awesome. Okay, um, somebody needs to get a glass of water, I think. So, which, this word, chokhmah, meant wisdom or skill. And it, it was a skill like a craft or a trade that you could learn. It's the same word for that. And like in places like Exodus uh, chapter 35, Moses is building the tabernacle, and he's looking for people who are wise in working with materials, who have the skills for metallurgy and working with fabrics and with wood, who know how to take the materials that they're given and to work with them and understand the rules and the dynamics of those, and to make something from them that is beautiful and true. And so just like woodworking or textile craft, there are principles that are woven through our world, wisdom principles that are woven in the materials of life like natural laws. That honesty is always better than dishonesty, no matter the short-term cost. That mercy and kindness cultivate our relationships every time. These are timeless skills, and wisdom is about knowing them, about knowing how the world works and understanding those dynamics and doing the right thing even when it's hard. So you can learn the skills, and you can learn to work within them. And when we begin to put that into practice, God enables us to craft and create something beautiful, inspiring, good that reflects back the beauty of God's wisdom, even in difficult circumstances. So this idea of wisdom as skills for living is, gives us a good framework for the book that we've been journeying through this summer. The purpose of the book of James, as we've mentioned uh, previously, was to kind of pass on these skills and this wisdom to us, this wisdom of the way of Christ. As we've mentioned previously, James was a deeply, deeply serious Jewish follower of Jesus, and he was concerned with righteousness, with right relationships with God and with each other, with justice and with equity, with the intersection of faith and works, with the love of God at work in us and producing works of love in the way of Jesus. And so it stands in that lineage of the Hebrew wisdom literature, 
Uh, in this case, passing on the skills of the good life in the, in the model of Jesus. And, but James, as we've said, was a seeker. He was a seeker who was always after God and skeptical about these things, but he had a, a transformative encounter with God that changed his life when he understood that mercy above all triumphs. And so he brings this new perspective into this wisdom story that, yes, it is about learning these skills of God, but what we have under it all and through it all and within it all is a profound love and triumphant mercy of God, a God who loves us deeply, no matter how skilled we are at any given moment. And rather than being about earning our way or achieving some beautiful life, about behaving in order to belong, James is about becoming evermore who we were built to be, embracing the beauty of who God created us to be and to live well in response to that. And it takes both wisdom the skills for life, and God's work in and through us to help us do that. So this is our last week in the book of James. And this summer so far, we've learned incredible skills, challenging skills about how to live. And in James 1, we learned this wise skill that, that, uh, that is the courage of seeking God, that faith and questions are not opposites, but they're partners in our journey with God. And then we learn the skills to help us find joy and purpose, even in the midst of difficult trials. And the next week in James 2, we learn that true religion is about protecting the vulnerable and loving and caring for the marginalized. Next week, we learn the critical skill of putting faith into action through the works of love. And then last week, we learned about the power of our words to bring life and to give life in our world. And we also learned about blessing those who are created in the image of God in the same way way. We also learned about not stepping into traffic and pretending like you're Superman. If you were here last week, that's a good lesson to learn, too. All of these are a lot to grok, to get in. And this was supposed to be summer break, right? So this week, James kind of gives steps back and gives us a big picture story of this. He brings all of these skills we've been learning together, all of this wisdom, and says, okay, you've got this. You've got the raw material. Now use this to make something good. Use your life to live the beautiful life of goodness and equity and justice that we were built to live. And so he asks this very rhetorical question, who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life and your work that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. And so this is a very rhetorical question. Who is wise among you? And just FYI, if anyone ever asks you, you know, who is wise among you? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> don't raise your hand. Um, just in case someone did, James said, okay, all right, so take all of that stuff that you've learned and just show me by your good life. Show me how it reflects in your actions. That word good life is a Greek word, kalos, kalos, which is the word also for beautiful for beautiful. And so it says, show me by your beautiful life. Uh, Show me that you add wonder and life and joy and inspiration, that you add something that brings beauty and goodness into our world, the beautiful life. And so when we think about the beautiful life, our mind might immediately go to like the Instagram beautiful kind of life where every moment is pictured with arms out and lens flare in the background. You know, never mind that it took an hour and six different filters to get that perfect shot. Um, It is beautiful. It is beautiful. The beauty and the wonder of life are pretty awesome in the words of Hudson. But the beautiful life is about more than that. 
James goes on, he describes the character of that beautiful life that Crystal read for us earlier today. It says, the wisdom that's from above is first pure, and then it's peaceful, and it's gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good fruits without, partial, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace, James chapter 3 says to us. And that there is a truly beautiful life, isn't it? But honestly, when we read that list of things, it seems about as attainable as me being Sheriff Andy someday. I mean, have you ever woken up in the morning and said, all right, today I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be patient? Uh, That is a recipe for having a three-year-old toddler who's chunking Cheerios at the breakfast table. Um, it's, a, it's a recipe for running into bumper-to-bumper traffic on 35 along your way. When we try to, like, will up ourselves and step out in the world and be peaceable and gentle, it is asking for it, in so, so to speak. So that's why it's so incredibly important to us that James says that those skills that God is building in us are wisdom from above. That they don't come from our own willpower that it comes from God at work in us, with us, and within us. And what God invites us to do is to simply open ourselves, to take ourselves and our skills and say, okay, God, I'm open to you. I'm not quite sure what to call you or how to even think about you, but I want what I have to be used for good, to be used to bring life to others, to be a part of what you're up to, the cause of love, and the way of Christ. And when we're open, when when we offer our work and our journey and our passions, our story, the things that move us and stir us, our life, when we open that up and let it intersect with the heart and the mission of a loving God, God begins to work in us that wisdom from above. God gives us a pure purpose in life. We're peaceable and gentle and willing to yield because we know we're a part of something bigger and we can be patient in the meantime. We are full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy because that's who our God is. Our God is merciful and loving to all without distinction. We do this not in our own strength, but because our life begins to reflect the beauty of our good God. So in Scripture, beauty is found in nothing more than that. The simple peace of being who you were built to be. In the power of God, beautiful inside and out. So Jesus is talking to to some folks, some normal folks just like us, who had worries and self-image and all of this kind of stuff swirling around in their head. And he said this to them. He said, why do you worry about clothing? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not nearly as beautiful as these, not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, Jesus says with a wink make you beautiful. In the same way, God has clothed you in beauty. You are created in the image of God. 
You're a child of God, of sacred worth, beautifully and colorfully created with profound purpose. And the God of the universe has shaped you, informed you, and has been with you every step of your journey and all the side roads that it's taken. And your story, your shape, your idiosyncrasies are indispensable and important, built to be a part of something incredible. And God wants nothing more for you than to embrace who you were built to be. The purpose God has set before you, the call to be an ambassador of God's love with all the skills you can muster. That's the beginning and the end of God's wisdom from above. And so maybe you think that there's not much to who you are. Or maybe you think that somehow who you are or your story, that it somehow disqualifies you. Well, the book, our story of our faith, is full of people who thought the very same thing who would have been overlooked or disqualified by the world, but the God welcomed them with unqualified love. And when the grace and the love of God intersects who you really are, your true life begins to reflect the beautiful image that God has created in you. But James invites us to do more than just sit back and be, you know, lily-clothed wallflowers in our life. He says that we can deepen and refine our skills and flourish in that wisdom from above. We can be more who we were built to be. And that is all of what we've been learning about. All of that pulls together into this journey of growing in who God built us to be. And so he says this about the way we live into even more who God built us to be. He says, the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. James uses some, some fancy religious language to say that what God is doing in us is growing something, a harvest of righteousness, right relationship with God, right relationship with our neighbor, right relationship with ourself. And like a harvest, it's God who gives the growth, but we can plant and we can water and we can care for it. And in the same way, James invites us and says, grow in this wisdom, grow in your skills. Sow in peace and make peace. This is where the rubber meets the road and where all those skills and who we are and all of that was built, that we were built to be, begins to swirl together and form our purpose and our passion in our life to sow in peace and to make peace in our world. Now, the peace that, that James is talking about right, is more than just maxing and relaxing in Mexico with a mimosa. This peace is a profound and powerful purpose that we are called to in our lives. So for James, as a good Hebrew kid, this word peace would have reflected the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, the holistic flourishing of our world, the welfare and the goodness of our life and the world around us, flourishing and holistically in mind and body and spirit and soul. And he says that we're to sow in this and to make this as we go, the holistic flourishing of our world. That's what James says wisdom of God brings into our lives and what our lives should bring about in our world. It's where our faith and our works intersect. So the call to use our skills for good, to be a part of what God is up to in the world, is a call to take our story and our identity, our self, our skills, whatever you have, and to use it to seek the holistic flourishing of our world, to make peace, to make 
shalom for our neighbors, for the vulnerable, for our kids, for our friends, for ourselves, to not just survive, but to thrive in our world, to make it and seek it for ourselves and for each other. So as, as a teacher who's beginning back in the next few weeks, sorry to remind you about that, <laughs> seek the holistic flourishing of your classroom, of your kids, and of your co-workers, their mind, their body, their spirit. Um, doctors, same thing for your patients and for your staff. Construction workers, seek the flourishing of your crew personally and interpersonally. And the flourishing of the project that you're working on Make something beautiful in this world. Students, that's your calling as you go to class, as you hang out in your dorm. For both yourself and for everyone in your circle, God calls us to seek their flourishing, to help them become who they were built to be. When you're a physical therapist and you're helping a kid's body move again and you're helping them grow in their body, you're helping them flourish and you're living out the wisdom of God. When you're a teacher who's helping a kid learn how to read, and to flourish in their mind. You're living out the wisdom of God. And when you're helping a kid know that they are loved, you're living out the wisdom of God. This invitation to make peace with all that we have and shalom and flourishing in our world and all we do. This is what our skills and our life and our self are meant for. This is what we are built for. And when we discover that, when we begin to put it into practice, we begin to flourish as well. And so James knows that outside of Sheriff Andy and, and MLK and Beyonce and all of that stuff, what I really, really want to pass on to my kid and what I really, really want to pass on to the world around me is this simple message. What I really want to hear for myself is that too, that you are loved no matter what. And you have so much to give. So use what you have, your skills and yourself, to help others flourish. That others might know that they are so loved as well. It's beyond our ability, yes, to live that out on a daily basis, but it's the wisdom from above. And so live that out with wisdom and humility as best we can, reflecting that gentle wisdom of God in all that we do so, you know, even if I can't be Beyonce, I can be me with every skill that I have and just see if God can't make this crazy life into something beautiful. And so that's our call for us and our call for this community here as open. God is doing something beautiful in our midst and we will flourish when this community flourishes. When we live that wisdom out in the pursuit of peace for the world around us, and when we seek that, we'll find flourishing for ourselves. I want you to find that so incredibly much, because together when we do that, we find the wisdom from above. We intersect our lives with the life of a good and incredible God who loves you so much. So let's take all we are, our story, our passion, our opportunity, this next semester that's ahead of us, and let's sow in peace and make peace and shalom with our lives. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for that invitation, for that call and that opportunity to be a part of what you are doing in this world, to be a part of your goodness and your grace 
of communicating your message of love with our world. God, it's a high call to be a part of your flourishing. It's beyond our strength and our ability, God, but you empower us. And so we ask that you would just awaken us, God, to who we are, who you built us to be. Work with us and work within us to be a part of what you're up to. Help us to look clearly at your wisdom and see reflected back the beauty of who you created us to be. And help us to put our faith into action in love. We pray all of this in your incredible name.